show dave is not in right now he is still recuperating uh from some medical procedures we wish him well and uh, we pray for him over the next several days i'm russ mckinney sitting in the big chair and i really want to invite you to stick around for the next couple of hours we've got continuing coverage live from washington dc of the impeachment hearings that are going on i got a chance to listen a little bit earlier today and i heard uh obviously one of the republicans grilling the first two or one of the first two uh people that were up there on the hill uh sitting there for uh the impeachment hearings asking them if they ever had any personal contact with the president of the United States, and their answer was unequivocally no. And they said, so you are one of the first witnesses here for this impeachment hearing, and you've never had any contact with the president of the United States. How is it that you are here to speak on an impeachment hearing? Do you understand that this is an impeachment hearing on the president of the United States, and you've never had any contact with him. To me, that's telling of how this thing is going to play out and what direction it's going to go. The other telling part, you know, you got to realize that Schiff, who is the head of this uh, impeachment hearing committee, is basically in this because he needs to save face after what happened the last time he was in charge of something like this up there on the Hill. He he lost a lot of credibility there. He's trying to save his face right now. But let's go live right now back to Washington, D.C., and tune in and listen to what's going on in this impeachment hearing. Enormous power that a president has. The question is whether, in this case, there was an abuse of that power. A president can fire an ambassador for any reason whatsoever. A president can change his policy, as he did when he opened the door for Turkey to go in and invade Kurdistan, despite opposition from many of his senior advisors. A president could change his position and our position on Ukraine. But is there a limit? There is. Because our Constitution says no one is above the law. And that limit is that one cannot, even as president, use the public trust of high office for personal gain. The law prohibits any one of us here on the dais from seeking foreign assistance in our campaigns. The question for us is whether the use of power by the president was for the benefit of advancing his political interest in the 2020 campaign. And by the way, to my colleagues, if the president wants to attack Joe Biden and his son, he's free to do it, all fair and square in campaigns. He's just not free to change our foreign policy unless he gets his way to assist him in that campaign. That's a line he can't cross. Now, you all have been very clear about what our continuous foreign policy was. And Ambassador Taylor, just very quickly describe why us withholding aid interfered with achieving our national security goals. Mr. Welch, one of our national security goals is to resolve conflicts in Europe. Um, There is one major conflict in Europe. It's a fighting war. Our national security goals in support of Ukraine, in support of a broader strategic approach to Europe, is to facilitate that 
negotiation is to try to support right. Ukraine when it negotiates with the Russians. Right. And I want to go back, because in the historical context, Mr. Kent, that you uh, in, uh, in, in um, Ambassador Taylor uh, provided, we had 70 years of peace a- after the war in which we lost over 400,000 American lives. And that took care. And that was in jeopardy, as you described it, Ambassador Taylor. And that threatened each and every one of us up here in the constituents we represent. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement. I want to do three dates, too. I only have a little time. But July 24, July 25, and July 26. July 24th, Director Mueller testified about his investigation. And he, he established beyond doubt that it was the Russians who interfered in our election. And he expressed a fear that that would be the new normal. On July 25th, according to the readout of the president's campaign, he asked the Ukrainians to investigate Ukrainian interference in our election that had been repudiated. And then in July 26th, as I understand it, This person who reported to you heard the president saying he wanted investigations again in Ukraine. So this is the question. The new normal that Director Mueller feared, is there a new normal that you fear that a president, any president, can use congressionally approved foreign aid as a lever to get personal advantage in something that is in his interest, but not the public interest. That, that should not be the case, Mr. Welsh. I yield back. Mr. Chairman, I ask unanimous consent to enter into the record the transcript from the July 25th call between President Trump and President Zelensky. You yourself, Mr. Chairman, have mischaracterized the call. In fact, in the first the open hearing, will you had a the parody. The gentlewoman will suspend. Um, by unanimous consent, be happy to enter the call record into the record. Um, Mr. Maloney, you're recognized for five minutes. Uh, Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for being here today. Um, Ambassador Taylor, uh, what year did you graduate from West Point? 1969, sir. It was the height of the Vietnam War, wasn't it, sir? The height was about that time. What was your uh, class rank at West Point? I was number five. How many people were you in your class? 800. 800 cadets, you were number five. So when you're top 1% of your class at West Point, you probably get your pick of assignments, but you picked the infantry, did you, sir? sir? Yes, sir. You're a rifle company commander? Sir. Where'd you serve? <clears throat> in Vietnam. Did you see combat in Vietnam, sir? I did. Did you earn any accommodations for that service? Uh, I was awarded the combat infantryman's badge, which is my... My highest, I'm proudest of, uh, there was a Bronze Star, there was an Air Medal with V. That's for Valor, isn't it, sir? It is. Let's talk about July 26th, a lot of years later. You go to the front, you go to Donbass with Ambassador Volker, I believe, and you're on the bridge and you're looking over on the front line at the Russian soldiers. Is that, is that what you recalled? Yes, sir. And you said the commander there, the Ukrainian commander, thanked you for the American military assistance that you knew was being withheld at that moment. That's correct. How'd that make you feel, sir? Badly. Why? Because it was clear that that commander counted on us. It was clear that that commander had confidence in us. It was clear that that commander had, was appreciative of the capabilities that he was given by that assistance, but also the reassurance that we were supporting him. You don't strike me as a quitter, Ambassador, but you threatened to resign, or you mentioned it in your statement. Um, before I ask you about that, let's just talk about a couple days later, on July, uh, excuse me, one month later, on August 28th. You find yourself in Ukraine with the National Security Advisor, Mr. Bolton, right? Yes, sir. And you convey to him your concerns. You've testified to this previously about the withholding of military assistance. What does he say to you? He says that he shares my concern and he advises me to 
expressed that in a, in a very special way to the Secretary of State. Now, he's the National Security Advisor, works directly with the President, but he tells you that you should bring it up with the Secretary of State. Yes, sir. Have you ever sent a cable like that? How many times in your career, 40, 50 years, have you sent a cable directly to the Secretary of State? Once. This time? Yes, sir. In 50 years? Rifle company banners don't send cables, but yes, sir. So the National Security Advisor, who can tell it to the President himself, and who shares your concern, says you, the ambassador serving in Ukraine, should cable the Secretary of State directly, and you do so, don't you? Yes, sir. What the cable say, sir? <clears throat> it's classified cable. Uh, without going to classified information. Without going to classified, it, it says... Security assistance, it's what we've been talking about today. Security assistance to Ukraine at this particular time, as in previous times, is very important. Ukraine, I also make the point that we've also talked about here today, Ukraine is important for our national security, and we should support it. So not, not, not to provide that would be folly. Did you get an answer to your cable? Not directly, no, sir. Do you know what happened to it? Um... Um, Secretary Kent. Secretary Kent, do you know Secretary what Kent happened to it? Tells me that. Yeah, I was on vacation. I was on vacation when uh, his cable came in, but my understanding is it made it to its recipient, uh, intended recipient, Secretary Pompeo. And we know Secretary Pompeo was on the call a month earlier on July 25th. It's not like he's in the dark about any of this. Um, what do you do with it? I honestly can't say for sure what happened with the cable once the message was brought in at the highest level. One other question, gentlemen. Um, on September 1st, uh, you recall a meeting between the vice president and the president of Ukraine, Mr. Zelensky, in which right off the, off the bat, the president uh, of Ukraine raises security assistance. And the vice president, according to your telling, says, I'll talk to the president tonight about that. I'll make a call. Do you know whether the vice president made that call? I don't know, sir. Do you know what, if anything, the vice president um, had to do with any of this uh, can you, what, what more can you tell us about the vice president's role in this? Uh, do you know if he ever raised this issue with anyone in the administration, whether he ever pushed for the release of that security assistance? I can't, sir. I believe, uh, I, uh, to the best of my understanding, the vice president was an advocate for the release of the assistance. Thank you. Yield back, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman. Ms. Demings, you're Mr. Right Chairman, I have a unanimous consent request. Uh, the general will state his request. I ask unanimous consent to submit for the record the Politico article on Ukraine boosting the Clinton campaign, authored by Ken Vogel, Without now objection. at the New York Times. That will be entered in the record. Thank you. Uh, Representative Demings. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman, and thank you to both of you for um, being with us today. Um, Mr. Kent, you said that a president has the right to remove an ambassador because the ambassadors serve at the pleasure of the president. Is that correct? That is correct, ma'am. Does that removal usually come with the smear campaign um, of that ambassador by the president? I think the right of the, the, the president to make a decision about the president's personal representative, as confirmed by the Senate, is separate from whatever happens uh, outside the, the confines of U.S. government processes. Do you have any re idea why it was important to discredit Ambassador Yovanovitch, what she was not willing to do or to do, why that was important? Well, I guess it probably depends on the motivation of other people, uh, and I am not one of them. Which includes uh, William Taylor. Without objection, that will be admitted into the record. Uh, Mr. Christian Murphy. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, I'd like to walk you through a couple points raised by my colleagues on the other side. Uh, one is they claim that the July 25th call summary shows no evidence of pressure on the Ukrainian government. In fact, they argue the U Ukrainians did not feel any pressure at any time to comply with any of President's, President Trump's requests for investigations. In fact, Ambassador Taylor, at your deposition in October, you stated that due to the hold that President Trump placed on aid to the Ukraine, the Ukrainians became, quote-unquote, desperate. Isn't that right? In August, um, they did not know, as far as... I'm aware, but at the end of August, the article came out in September. The Minister of Defense, for example, came to me, I would use the word desperate, to figure out why the assistance was being held. He thought that perhaps if he went to Washington, 
to talk to you, to talk to the, to the Secretary of Defense, to talk to the President. He would be able to find out and, and reassure, provide whatever answer was necessary to have that assistance released. In fact, my colleagues on the other side suggest that President Zelensky personally did not feel any pressure at any time. And yet, later on in September, um, he finally relented in a conversation with Gordon Sondland, according to your deposition, in which he agreed to make a statement on CNN. Isn't that right? He had planned to make a statement on CNN, yes, sir. My colleagues also say that uh, the hold on U.S. security assistance was lifted on September 11th without any investigations happening on the part of the Ukrainians, and therefore everything ended up fine in the end. However, Mr. Kent, as you know, uh, the House Intelligence, Foreign Affairs, and Oversight Committees began this current investigation leading to the proceedings today on September 9th. In fact, it was only two days after this particular set of committees began their investigations that the Trump administration eventually released the military aid, correct? That is a timeline, yes. Mr. Ambassador Taylor, between the time of your October deposition and now, did anyone from the Trump administration contact you about your appearance before the committee today? No, sir. How about you, Mr. Kent? No, sir. Ambassador Taylor, I would like to turn to a word that, by my count, you used 13 times in your opening statement, and that word is concern. You were concerned that aid was being conditioned on political investigations, investigations isn't that right? Yes, sir. You were concerned that irregular channels of diplomacy were being used in our foreign policy in the Ukraine, right? Yes, sir. Ambassador Taylor, can you rule out the possibility that these irregular channels of diplomacy are being used in other countries where we conduct foreign policy? I can't... <laughs> Um, I've not heard of any other uh, separate channel that has this kind of influence. That is the, the Giuliani kind of uh, guidance. But you can't rule it out, right? No, sir. And how about you, Mr. Kent? You can't rule it out either, right? I have no basis to make a determination. You don't believe the July 25th call was perfect, did you? Do you? I think some of the language in the call gave cause for concern. Ambassador Taylor? I agree. And what was the cause for concern for you? There was part of the yeah, The discussion of the previous ambassador was a cause for concern. Ambassador Taylor, I want to draw on your experience finally as a West Point cadet and as an infantry commander in Vietnam. In a battlefield situation, is a commanding officer allowed to hold up action, placing his troops at risk until someone provides him a personal benefit? No, sir. Is that because if commanding officers did that, they would be betraying their responsibility to the nation and the men and women under their command? Yes, sir. And if that happened and were found out, could that person be subject to discipline? Yes, sir. Could that type of conduct trigger a court-martial? Yes, sir. Thank you. I yield back. Mr. Chairman. I thank the gentleman. Mr. Chairman, let's have um, unanimous. What purpose does the gentleman see? Uh, I thank the chairman. I have unanimous consent, uh, ask unanimous consent to enter into the record Mr. Mulvaney's statement where he said there is absolutely no quid pro quo from October 17, 2019. Without objection. Um, Mr. Nunez, you recognized for any closing uh, comments Mr. you want like to make? <laughs> Mr. Chairman. Uh, I've recognized Mr. Nunez for his comments. Uh, Mr. Conway, we will get your motion. Okay. Um, after uh, Mr. Nunez's brief closing remarks and my brief closing remarks, it's my intention to excuse the witnesses. Uh, we'll have a very brief recess. Members should not go far. We will resume uh, and take up Mr. Conaway's motion, uh, Mr. Nunez. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I'll just be brief. Uh, I want to reiterate what I said earlier, and that is that we really should stop. You're listening to continuing coverage of the impeachment hearing going on in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. We're going to break for news right now on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Except in the presence of the United States, a situation where the president 
for their own personal or political benefit can condition military aid, diplomatic meetings, or any other performance of an official act in order to get help in their reelection. Whether we will need to accept in this president or any future president the idea that the president of the United States can invite a foreign country to intervene in our affairs. These are the decisions we will have to make when we have to decide whether this president should be impeached. Uh, but I want to thank you again. I'll just conclude by saying, because I can't let it go unanswered, some of my colleagues made the statement repeatedly that I have met with the whistleblower, that I know who the whistleblower it is. It was false the first time they said it. It was false the second through 40th time they said it. It will be false the last time they say it. Uh, with that, uh, this concludes this portion of the hearing. I want to thank you, gentlemen. I ask everyone to remain in their seats. Uh, the witnesses are excused. Please allow them to leave the committee room. Um, we will, once they leave the committee room, take a brief recess, uh, and then we will resume to take up Mr. Conaway's motion. And once again, I thank you, gentlemen. The committee is in a brief recess subject to the call of the chair. When we resume shortly, we'll take up Mr. Conaway's motion. Russ McKinney in for Dave Ellswick. Obviously, they are uh, taking a brief recess here in, uh, well, there in Washington, D.C. And we're going to take that recess with them. But I want to know, I want to hear from you. Give me a call right now, 501-823-0965, 501-823-0965. Your thoughts on what you've heard so far in the testimony of the ambassador, and uh, his cohort there, who are testifying on this uh, impeachment hearing right now, 501-823-0965. Now, when they do go live again, we'll get back to it, but I'm going to go ahead and take some calls right now. If you've got you've got it within you, you've been listening to what's been going on up there for the past 40 minutes or so, and uh, we want to know how you feel about this. Now, I've got my personal thoughts I've told people to look at the body language of not only the people who are testifying in this, but also uh, Adam Schiff, who is uh, who is it's basically his court that he's holding right now. And what does Shifty Schiff look like while he's sitting there and uh, listening to what's going on up there in this impeachment hearing? Uh, Do you believe what these people are saying. Obviously, you've got to believe what they're saying. They're under oath. Uh, I mean, but are they framing their their verbiage so that it looks really bad? Personally, uh, they were called out in the very beginning today, this afternoon. They were told that um, they haven't had any contact with the president personally on any of this matter. 823-0965. You've got a question. You've got a comment. By all means, give us a call, 501-823-0965. These guys, I, you know, this is this is all personally the way I feel. It's all a setup, a, a shift sham, if you will. And uh, that's that's the way I feel. How do you feel about what you've heard so far? I mean, obviously, they've had, uh, they've had some dealings with some things. They've had... Uh, their part in all of this, but what are what are we seeing? What are we getting out of any of the testimony from these guys? 
Give us a call. 501-823-0965 is the number to call. 501-823-0965. It is uh, 20 minutes before uh, before the hour here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave's out convalescing right now, and we wish him the very best and hope he gets well very soon and know that we are praying for him. But we want to hear from you. So give us a call. When, when they return back to the chamber and get back with the impeachment hearing, and this is the, the first public impeachment hearing that uh, the House is holding, then uh, we, will, uh, we will get back to that, I promise you. But uh, we've got calls coming in, and as soon as we can, as soon as I find out who we've got on the line, and uh, we'll, we will go to the line, 501-823-0965. Let's go to line one. Jake Jake from Little Rock is on line one. Jake, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. I just want to give a brief comment. I've been watching it on television. Uh, basically, what my thoughts are, these two guys seem you know, to be credible people in their job, but they don't have any first-hand knowledge. Everything they have is from something they heard from someone else and someone else. I think they are extremely territorial about how their jobs and the fact that the president chose other people to go around them and go do something and have discussions that's not in what he called normal channels. You know, I think that shows you that they're very territorial about their positions. And I have a my opinion on the the. Uh, situation in total is is that i don't have a problem if trump did ask him about the bidens i think that joe biden you know very cockily saying he's going to put a billion dollars in his back pocket and you know the whole thing with hunter biden i don't have a problem in the world you know just because you're running for an office doesn't mean that you can be a corrupt person in my opinion so i don't really have a problem even if he did ask about it that's just my thoughts i'll hang up and listen thank you jake i appreciate the call let's go to north little rock mark is on the line mark how are you today I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my thoughts are, I wonder why people who haven't been directly involved are haven't been questioned, or at least is there any sense that there will be people who have direct contact and heard over there that are going to be brought to, to give their testimony? Because it would seem as if though they, they would be the ones that would know. Um, Instead of having others who have their opinion about what went on, that that that's my that's my thought on the matter. Absolutely, and I agree with you on that. That uh, these guys don't seem to have had any firsthand knowledge of it, uh, other than where they contributed. You heard the ambassador talk about the cable he sent at the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. but how far did it get? He didn't know. But uh, yeah. you know, and I, and I wonder if. If there are people giving their opinion, then it's one thing like to bring in an expert testimony in a case to say, when I've seen things like this before, but but none of these, in my opinion, are giving any expertise on what has happened this instance as far as what is being brought into question. They're just talking about if I were in this position a long time ago when I served in the military, this would have been how I would have handled things. Well, that's fine, but what about how this was handled now? Not about how you would have handled things in a hypothetical situation. What about this? Did you have any direct contact? Did you have any personal involvement? What what did you hear? Not hearsay or not your opinion on how you would handle it, but what did you do? How are you involved? And if, and if they aren't, then why are they even being questioned? Absolutely. Mark, thank you for your call, or thank you for your thank opinion. You. Have a great day. And uh, we, you know, that, that's what what do you what do you do about this i mean because the people that are asking the questions are merely asking the questions of these guys 8230965 you got your thoughts we've heard from jake we've heard from mark we want to hear from you 501-823-0965 it is now uh, about 15 minutes before the top of the hour let's take a quick break and we will get back to this and Of course, when the hearing resumes, we will take it live. You are listening to continuing coverage of the impeachment hearing, first public impeachment hearing in the House going on right now on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Russ McKinney sitting in for Dave, and we'll be back. 
Not has been is the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Russ McKinney. Zach sitting back there running the uh, run of the mothership. Hope you're having a great day. You know, uh, 41 degrees here in the capital city, and we've got about um, we got about 11 minutes before the top of the hour, and we are taking your calls. 501-823-0965, the phone number to get to us. Now, Devin Nunez has... Uh, has uh, stepped up and and pretty much in his opening statement told uh, told them what for in the uh, first uh, first day of public impeachment hearings here uh, well there in the House chamber and uh, let's go to the phones right now five zero one eight two three zero nine six five Roberts in Little Rock Robert how are you today I'm great I'm great how are you doing fantastic sir. What do you think about what 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 you've heard so far today? Well, I too agree that these secondhand witnesses there that's that's a lot of baloney. Well, yeah, it is. I mean they 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 have no firsthand no credible knowledge of what's going on. None. And all they can provide are minuscule facts about what their part was in this uh it, it, this I hate to say it, witch hunt that's going on right now. I agree. I agree. So uh, how do we get firsthand knowledge? Well, the only way you can get true firsthand knowledge is talk to the people who were there and uh, who participated. Well, that's what we should do then. Do you think we ought to get the president up there and let him speak? Uh, Anybody with firsthand knowledge. Pompeo? Uh, well, I hadn't thought about that, but that may not be a bad idea. And I mean, what are they going to say when they get up there in front of these these people? I mean, we've, well, we've seen the transcript, have we not? Have you read the transcript? They, uh, part of them, not the whole thing, no. I know it's it's a lot of long-winded, boring stuff. Yeah, isn't it, though? <laughs> no, it's just that I don't, you know, I don't care what it, about these secondhand folks. But how do you get the people that really do know what's going on? Absolutely. Hey, Robert, we appreciate your call. We're going to go back up to the hill and uh, take okay, take Thank this thing live. Much. Thank you for uh, for your call. Let's uh, let's get back up to uh, up to the hill and uh, listen in on today's impeachment hearing. Well, seemingly they were talking just a minute ago, but uh, they they are. I'm, I'm getting conflicting reports that that they've actually wrapped up for the day, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens. Now, uh, in um, the uh, the House Intelligence Committee's ranking member Devin Nunez did not hold anything back and pretty much slammed the Democrats for damaging the country today. He also went after. The media, and again, called on Hunter Biden to testify about allegations of corruption in the Ukraine. Quote, in a July open hearing uh, failing publication of the Mueller report, the Democrats engaged in a last-ditch effort to convince the American people President Trump is a Russia agent. That hearing was a pitiful uh, uh, finally of a three-year-long effort by Democrats, the corrupt media, and partisan bureaucrats to overturn the results of the 2016 election after the spectacular implosion of their Russia hoax on July 24th. On July 25th, they turned on a dime and now claim the real malfeasance as the Republicans' dealings with Ukraine, uh, that according to Nunez. 501-823-0965. Now, the, there was a question as to who was going to be the uh, the um, the person from the House for the Republicans to uh, take the uh, take the reins, so to speak. But it looks like Devin Nunez is that is that person. 501-823-0965 is the number to call if you've got your opinion ready to go. 
We want to hear about it. Uh, Bill Taylor, an aide, heard Trump talking on the phone to uh, Sondland while in July about investigations. Schiff, who me? I don't know. The whistleblower's identity. A whole lot going on up there that we're not getting complete answers for. And I don't know that we're necessarily going to get complete answers. Like I said, we've got to keep an eye on what's going on. The people that are being invest that are being uh, interviewed up there and that are being questioned up on the hill. And uh, you've got questions about it. We've got questions about it. We've got answers about it. That's why we're carrying this live from Capitol Hill. 501-823-0965. Russ McKinney sitting in for uh, Dave Ellswick, who is convalescing right now. And uh, we will uh, we will keep you up up to date on what's going on up there in the House as uh, it is seemingly they've wrapped up their first public impeachment hearing. Now they're supposed to do this again tomorrow. Have more uh, more people up there on the Hill, and uh, Adam Schiff, of course, will be up there uh, leading this circus, if you will, as uh, things continue to uh, to uh, evolve in this first public impeachment hearing. 501-823-0965. Uh, game over. Jim Jordan uh, ends with uh, quid pro quo narrative in uh, today. Uh, and... We will uh, we will find out if it's game over or not. I I don't think it is game over. So we want to know what you think about what you've heard so far today. 501-823-0965. A few minutes left in this hour. Don't forget, coming up at 4 o'clock, uh, we've got the car and truck doctors. A, uh, a bit of a best of today as we are working our way through uh, this uh, Wednesday, middle of the weekday. Over the hill day, as Dave likes to say, and uh, we're asking for you to uh, to keep Dave in your prayers right now. I'm going to tell you right now he he had a he had an infection in his foot, he had surgery on it, and uh, it it went as well as it could. He had some complications yesterday as he was trying to get back in here into the studios, but uh, we'll keep an eye on him, and we ask that you keep praying for him as well. 41 degrees in the capital city. Uh, sun is out right now. It is uh, beautiful out there, and uh, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes left before the top of the hour. 501-823-0965. You've got your thoughts on what's happening up on Capitol Hill, and I, I personally would like to hear what uh, Congressman French Hill has to say about what he's seen so far uh, up there as well. 501-823-0965. Got calls coming in. Who do we have, Zach? We've got a caller coming in right now. I'll tell you. We'll get to him here in just a second as we've got uh, we've got about two and a half minutes left in in the hour. And uh, let's 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 talk to Grady real quick. Grady, how are you today? Good, good. Talk to me, my friend. What do you think about what's going on up there in the house? Well, I I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've I've ever heard of. I'm ashamed of our people. It really can't tell uh, the black from white of this thing, and it, it didn't work out with the Hillary deal, and we all know about that in Arkansas. And now we've got to deal with this because they want to mess up another Ukraine thing. It's just. Out of control, out of control. Out of control it is, my friend. Thank you for your call, Grady. You have a blessed day, and uh, we will uh, we will talk to you further down the line. We're going to take a break here in just a minute and uh, get to the news at the top of the hour and uh, see what they have to say about what's going on out there. Jim Jordan speaking right now from the House Intelligence Committee. The House is wrapped up. It looks like their first public impeachment hearing here in Washington, D.C. Stick around. More of the Dave Ellswick Show coming up on 101.1 FM, The Answer.
McKinney sitting in for Dave Ellswick. We're probably going to get back to get to some best of Dave Ellswick here in just a moment. But I want to go to Fox News right now. They uh, Adam Schiff is speaking to the media. Let's listen in. It was, I think, a euphoric time for Ukrainians to have this reformer as their president. All right, continue to follow Adam Smith. But now, of course, uh, the president of the United States with the Turkish president, Erdogan, on a day, uh, the S&P hits 100th record, by the way. And uh, we have uh, news that Dow did the same. Now the president. I want to begin by welcoming the first lady with us today and the first lady of Turkey. Thank you very much for being here. This is a great honor to have you. And we had a uh, wonderful and very productive meeting. Before we start, I would like to thank President Erdogan for releasing detainee Serkan Golge, who um, was in detention in different forms of detention. And I appreciate that very much. That was a very nice tribute. And uh, he'll be coming back at some point in the not-too-distant future. So that's, uh, that's very good news for the United States, and also very good news for Turkey. Uh, Turkey, as everyone knows, is a great NATO ally and a strategic partner of the United States around the world. Our economic relationship has tremendous potential and continues to expand and to grow. Direct engagement and diplomacy between our nations are essential to ensuring a future of peace and prosperity and promise for our citizens. Over the course of the day, President Erdogan and I had a frank and productive conversation on a range of very important topics. Among those topics we discussed was the situation in Syria. Last month, I sent Vice President Pence, Secretary of State Pompeo is with us. National Security Advisor O'Brien, thank you, to meet with President Erdogan and the hopes of ending all of the hostilities. The negotiations were very successful, and the United States and Turkey achieved uh, a tremendous amount on that day, and I think we're working toward uh, getting it better and better. It's a complicated situation. It's been going on for hundreds of years. Today, the ceasefire continues to hold, and I want to thank the president for his partnership and cooperation as we work to build a more stable and peaceful and prosperous Middle East. We've uh, assured each other that Turkey will continue to uphold what it's supposed to uphold. I'm a, a big fan of the president, I have to tell you that. And I know that the ceasefire, while complicated, is moving forward and moving forward at a very rapid clip. There's a lot of People that want to see that work after so many decades and so many centuries, you might say. The United States and Turkey are working extensively on many other security issues. Turkey has the second largest armed forces in NATO after the United States. And they're a very strong second, I might add. And I'm pleased that Turkey has been steadily increasing its defense spending and is very close to the 2 percent of GDP range, unlike many of the other countries. At this moment, there are eight out of the 28 countries that are current in terms of their obligation financially. Turkey has made a vital contribution to NATO's resolute support mission in Afghanistan, and its partnership was important to our destruction of the ISIS caliphate. In fact, just recently, when we took out al-Baghdadi and take him out, we did. Turkey knew that we were going over certain areas. They were very, very helpful. We appreciate that very much. Good for both countries. We really appreciate it. We're grateful to President Erdogan and to the citizens of Turkey for their cooperation in the constant struggle against terrorism. He fights it like we do. Key to our security collaboration is our trade defense and military equipment program. American foreign military sales to Turkey total many billions of dollars, and Turkey supplies component parts to many American defense programs. They make parts of the frame, as an example, for the F-35. 
Turkey's acquisition of sophisticated Russian military equipment, such as the S-400, creates some very serious challenges for us. And we are talking about it constantly. We talked about it today. We're talking about it in the future. Hopefully, we'll be able to resolve that situation. We've asked our Secretary of State and Minister of Foreign Affairs and our respective national security advisors to immediately work on resolving the S-400 issue. We've also recently agreed to work toward a $100 billion two-way trade agreement. Uh, Secretary Ross is here. And I think we've made tremendous progress in that. We have a lot of trade with Turkey, but it could be many times larger, and Turkey would like to see that. And it would also be good for the United States. So we intend to bring it up to about $100 billion. That would be four times what it is right now. Our goal is to expand commerce between the United States and Turkey, reduce our trade deficit, and ensure a truly fair and reciprocal relationship. Uh, we are, just for those of you that have any interest, we discussed it today also. Our uh, trade agreement with China is moving along uh, very rapidly. We'll see what happens, but it's moving along rapidly. China wants to make a deal that I can tell you. One of my chief priorities as president has been removing the barriers to American trade and investment and ending the illicit practices that harm our workers. We encourage Turkey to further open its markets, and they are doing that. They are doing that very much toward American goods and American services. Our markets are open. Turkey is opening up their markets, and they're opening up rapidly. Mr. President, as we have seen in recent weeks, the U.S.-Turkish alliance can be a powerful force for security and stability, not only in the Middle East, but beyond. I look forward to working with you. And to your representatives, I want to thank you very much all for being here. I've gotten to become very familiar with all of you, and I really appreciate you doing a fantastic job for the people of Turkey. And I look forward to continuing to find a common ground, harness common purpose, and to advance the vital interests of our people and the abiding friendship between our nations. We have a great relationship, both personally and with the great country of Turkey, and uh, we look forward to moving that forward and making it an even bigger and better relationship. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sayın Başkan, değerli dostum, saygıdeğer bakanlar, Distinguished Ministers, Secretaries. 101.1 FM, the answer, Russ McKinnigan for Dave Ellswick on uh, this Wednesday. And uh, we hope you are enjoying our, our coverage today. Uh, Dave out convalescing right now, but I'm sitting in the big chair trying to uh, trying to make sense of what all is going on in the world today. Of course, we had the uh, in the first hour uh, the impeachment hearing, the uh, first public impeachment hearing going on in the House today. And before things got started, uh, Representative Elise Stefanik of New York had reason to doubt how Chairman Adam Schiff, and with good reason, we've all seen it before, how he runs a, uh, uh, a heavy-handed, tight-fisted uh, ship and, and won't let certain things go, uh, but he failed miserably the first time around. I personally think he failed miserably. I'm not the only one who feels that way, but... He he he's got he walked away from the from it with egg on his face and he is uh, he's continuing to uh, keep a tight rein on what's going on. But um, Elise Stefanik, Representative Stefanik, today uh, had a uh, parliamentary inquiry as to uh, whether he plans to um, prevent witnesses from answering certain questions. She posed that parliamentary inquiry. Uh, as things got started today, quote, Mr. Chairman, will you be prohibiting witnesses from answering questions as you have in the closed door sessions? Stefanik asked ahead of the uh, first witnesses opening statements. Schiff maintained that the only times he's prevented witnesses from answering quote, uh, questions was with the intention of protecting the identity of the whistleblower who alleged that Trump tried to coerce Ukraine to investigate Joe and Hunter Biden by threatening 
to withhold military aid. Personally, I don't see where Trump needs to worry about Joe Biden. He can worry about Hunter Biden all he wants to, but I don't think he needs to worry about Joe Biden. Papa Joe, as they call him, is uh, not in the greatest of mental health and is not in the greatest of health, period. Come uh, on, man. What? Come on, Come man. Come on, I, man. I, look, I am not, I am not our, our, our Yankee law professor who, uh, who, who loves to quote that line. But well, he got it from uh, he got it basically from ESPN. I know he did. That's where he got it from. <laughs> you love watching your sports, I Chris Berman, those guys. <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> but you know, he doesn't need to keep. I mean, Joe is doing a fine job of of uh, messing up his own campaign, as it were, right now. And he wants to keep throwing money out there and stay in the race and and keep blowing the bank for the rest of the Democrats. That's perfectly fine because the more money they spend, the less they've got to spend going into into the regular election cycle. And Trump has got a war chest like nobody's business. And we will see what happens with that. 501-823-0965. 501-823-0965. You know, I'm happy to hear what uh, what President Trump has done with President Erdogan of Turkey and uh, committing to the ceasefire agreement not only with that, but also with uh, improving Turkey's economy and the economy of the world. That's what I'm loving to see about our president. He doesn't just care about our economy. He cares about the economy around the world because as our economy flourishes, so does the economy around the world. And as it flourishes, it it gets stronger throughout the world, and we all benefit with strong economies around the world. 501-823-0965. You know, today wrapping up the uh, the the first public impeachment hearing here in uh, 2019, the first public impeachment hearing of President Donald J. Trump, and I don't think I don't think they did anything today. I think that's why they wrapped up early. To be honest with you, I think they got they 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 realized that it's folly. It truly is folly. And they don't need to be doing this. Of course, it's a little too late to uh, to to see this. Credible, but not firsthand. That, according to Jake, who uh, called in earlier, all hearsay. Mark in North Little Rock gave us. Grady called in and said he was ashamed of what was going on up there. Eight two three zero nine six five. How do you feel about this? It's twenty minutes after the hour. Let's take a break and come back and take your calls. 501-823-0965. Russ McKinney sitting in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Russ McKinney sitting in for Dave Ellswick on 101.1 FM, The Answer. And we have been covering all afternoon the the first public impeachment hearing going on up in the House. And uh, we want to hear from you about that. I do want to let you know, we've talked about the Dave Ellswick Book Club and uh, the book of the month for the Dave Ellswick Book Club is Marlon Bundo's Best Christmas Ever, written by Charlotte Pence and uh, her mom, Karen Pence. And, of course, uh, that book is available to you free. If you want to get it, I've got copies of it available from the Dave Ellswick Book Club. Just go to our website, 1011fmtheanswer.com. At the uh, top of the page, become an answer insider and uh, you can sign up for uh, your chance to win a copy of Marlon Bundo's Best Christmas Ever from uh, Charlotte and Karen Pence. It was written by Charlotte and illustrated by Second Lady Karen Pence. And, of course, they have signed up uh, with Regnery for two more Marlon Bundo books to come up in the future as well. But the latest is Marlon Bundo's Best Christmas Ever, 
I've got copies of that to give away, and I've actually got a couple of autographed copies to give away as well. So uh, something to put on your shelf, something to share with the kids, and in a, a beautifully illustrated and well-written book on uh, Marlon Bundo's Best Christmas Ever. Just go to 1011fmtheanswer.com and uh, pick up, uh, get yourself into the Answer Insider and uh, get yourself uh, registered to win a copy of that book. Of course, every month we get a new book from Reckonary that we give away multiple copies of throughout the month. But uh, you want to get that copy, you want to get a copy of that book, and you might even end up with an autographed copy of it as well. Just go to 1011fmtheanswer.com and become an Answer Insider. 501-823-0965 is the number to call if you want to get in on uh, the conversation today. What's been, uh, how, how do you feel about what you heard so far with um, the first public inquiry or impeachment hearing up uh, on Capitol Hill in the House? Uh, personally, I don't think they've got enough right now to send to the Senate and and make their case. They're going to have to come with a whole lot more to make a case. This is a uh, this has been a very very weak uh, case so far. Now it, tomorrow yet remains to be seen what they bring, and uh, we'll do our best to carry as much of what they do tomorrow during uh, the uh, second day of the public impeachment hearing and see what they can do. Of course, uh, we talked about Stefanik and, and how she had her uh, her mis- uh, misgivings about whether Adam Schiff was actually going to let anything real be heard. So far, he hasn't let, uh, let anything real be heard, number one. Number two, the witnesses that they've had have absolutely no credible testimony nothing firsthand they haven't even had any dealings with the president of the united states and without any personal dealings with the president of the united states there is nothing there that they can they can uh, impeach him on as far as i can tell now they can trump up i hate to say that word but they can trump up some other charges on trump and see what they can come up with but uh Adam Schiff claiming he doesn't know the identity of the whistleblower. I have my doubts about that because he is uh, in in closed door hearings. He has been heavy handed about shutting down questions about the identity of the whistleblower. Well, if you're going to shut down questions about the identity of the whistleblower, then you quite possibly know the identity of the whistleblower. And there have been plenty of people out there who have said they don't know who the who the whistleblower is. But uh, this person, if it was it was a handful, it was one of a handful of select people who had firsthand knowledge of this call and what actually took place in the call. Um. And if if it's true, then the president's in trouble. But if it's not true, and they're just doing their best to continue their uh, their their witch hunt, then some of these people need to be called out and pulled out of office and impeached themselves. Seriously, Adam Schiff, you should be ashamed of yourself for even kowtowing to what Nancy Pelosi is uh, trying to do. Uh, 823-0965. We're going to pause here in just a moment for the news at the bottom of the hour. We're going to continue. Uh, I, I think I think what we're going to do is actually go to to a best of, uh, best of Dave Ellswick. And coming up at 4 o'clock, that as well is going to continue with Best of the car and truck doctors on the Dave Ellswick show. And if yeah, I, I will tell you, if anything breaks during any of that time, I'll break in and I will get you uh, up to date on what's going on. But uh, President Trump continuing his uh, his news conference with uh, President Erdogan of Turkey 
And uh, we will uh, continue with the best of Dave Ellswick here in just a moment. You're listening to 101.1 FM, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 